The book of Ruth, uh, I'm looking this week at this matter of going and coming in life. Uh, went and came, as we looked at this morning with the prodigal and we looked at with Ruth. And that's what life is. It's those movements from birth to death that who knows what all it's going to involve. It's just life in general. Not just for one, but for all of us. As I have mentioned, of course, uh, the scripture talks about Abraham. said he went and came in his journeys several times. And uh, we noticed this morning it spoke about Ruth where she went and came. Uh, talks about Moses. He went and came uh, throughout the Bible. Even Christ himself, he came, John chapter number 6, and he went back uh, in Acts chapter number 1. The goings and comings of Bill and John and Brenda and whoever, we all have them. And uh, I want to look here, and, and, and again I say, it's, it's, the goings and comings are not necessarily bad. They have to be. It just depends on where you're going and where you came from that is important. But I want us to look here in the book of Ruth, and I want to, I want to use my favorite character in this book tonight. I, I don't know that I've ever heard her used in a sermon, a whole sermon, but I want to use Naomi's life, her goings and comings. And I'm interested in how that she went and came and God used her life as it was to bring somebody out as she was used of God to get Ruth out of Moab and used of God to introduce her uh, to God's family. And as we ponder this, understand there's a lot you're going to have to go through in life. A lot of goings and comings, a lot of wins and games, a lot of ups and downs. But it's not all about you, nor all about me. God's not going to adjust it to suit you, nor to suit me. Because he's got you in this world living your life to get somebody out. He wants to bring somebody out. And he wants to use you to bring somebody out in the life that you have to live. Now, let's look here, if you will, verse number one. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, the book of Ruth, chapter one. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went, notice that, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife, and his two sons. Here's this portion of the journey of their life. And the name of the man was Elimelech, the name of his wife Naomi, the name of his two sons Malon, Chilion, Ephratites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they came. Notice they went and then they came into the country of Moab and continued there, the goings and comings. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died and she was left of her two sons. 
They took them wives of the women of Moab, the name of the one, Orpah, the name of the other, Ruth, and they dwelt there about 10 years. Malon and Chilion died, also both of them. Now here's the goings and comings of her life. Seems like it's a rough road. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. In other words, uh, she's all left. That's it, of the family. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people and given them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and of course, her two daughter-in-laws with her, and they went on their way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you've dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest. Verse 10, and they said unto her, Surely we will return with the end of thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters, why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way. For I'm too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons. Would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. They lifted up their voice and wept, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, nor to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. It's been a rough journey, but it looks like she's bringing somebody out. Will thou die, will thou die, will I, there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also of all but death part me and thee. Verse 19, so they too went until they came. <laughs> do you see that? Well, that's all you can do. Went until you came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the cities moved about them and they said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. This is her view of her goings and comings. Her went and came. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. I want to look at Naomi's life. 
her ups and downs, her goings and comings, and how she went and came, and God used it to bring somebody out. Can I emphasize to you that God didn't just save you for you. He had somebody else in mind. But it's going to involve a trip of some kind. God is going to use your life just like he uses the life of his son to bring others to himself. Now, in this journey, three things I want to say to you. And you look at her life and you look at your life. The first thing that leaps out at me is I noticed the controlling factors that she didn't have or she lacked. In the goings and comings on this road of leading Ruth out, a road to redemption, she lives in a world just like we live in in which it seems as though that at times things are out of control or they are beyond at least your control. And here Naomi seems to be associated with all that went wrong in the journey because she's the only one left of that journey. But she lacks control. But is that just her? Isn't it true about all of our lives that we don't know what tomorrow holds? Our very next breath is out of our hands. The next curve on a road in which we drive is beyond our determination. As a matter of fact, all of life is that way. We just don't know what's coming our way. And when I think of Naomi, I, I think of this woman that is experiencing so much of this world that she wouldn't have if she could have determined it. Certainly there comes things into our lives that are unexpected and if we could have stopped it, we would have, but we didn't have the power. We didn't even know a lot of times it was coming. I'm talking about the controlling factors that she lacked. They're found in that text right there. I, I mentioned the famine. There's a famine in the house of bread at Bethlehem. But that has nothing to do with her. She doesn't control the weather. She doesn't determine whether there's going to be rain or no rain. When the famine came, it affected the whole area as well as her and her husband. So she didn't bring the lack of rain. She couldn't cause or control any of that. Esther and I, since we've been in evangelism for 25 years, preachers across the country, I don't think it's happened here. I don't know. I knew this is an odd church. That everywhere we go during that week, sometime, there's going to be a major weather uh, infection or problem that comes. I mean, preachers laugh about it. Snow where it's never snowed. 
uh, more rain. They just said, all over the country, they said, Preacher, we're having strange weather this week. I just don't say nothing. <laughs> I mean, tornadoes, hurricanes. I'm not exaggerating. I mean, we have been, I mean, we've dodged tornadoes like bullets. The good news is that I always say is that nobody's ever been hurt in church. Uh, where I've been, no matter what the weather was. So the safest place for you to be if I'm in town is in church. <laughs> You're in a good place. But here's the thing about it. If I could do, if I could change it, I would. I've been used to the North Carolina mountains and West Virginia mountains where I was born and raised. And, and we don't have, per se, tornadoes. It's not every day that you get uh, a tornado watch, a tornado warnings. When I moved to Alabama, which was not too smart, I guess, we were actually painting the house that was having built and, uh, and uh, the sirens started going off, horns. In old times, I guess you'd say, in some towns, uh, they would let the horn go off when it was lunchtime for the workers. Well, we didn't have no plants down there, but I told my wife, I said, that's kind of odd. It's two o'clock and there went the lunch thing going off. Well, somebody called my cell phone and said, what are you doing? I said, I'm out here painting. They said, but but you better get down the basement or somewhere. There's a tornado warning out. It's coming. I said, really? I, I mean, my goodness. I've never been able to get used to it. I mean, we have them all the time. Church just down the road from it, blowed the whole thing away. I mean, wow. But I can't control that is what I'm saying. If I could, I would, but I can't. And here she's not able to control the, the famine that has come. That's the world that she lived in, as we do. She's not able, especially in that day, to control the following of her husband. She is married to Elimelech. It's much like it is in the Middle East in this day. Marriages are pre-planned. When I was uh, in Egypt many years ago, it's humorous to me. I would ask men if they were married because I just wanted to hear what their answer was because every time they'd say, oh yes, I married my uncle's daughter. So if a man has a son and his brother has a daughter, they are, it's just a set deal. They're going to be married. And that's the way it was in those days, kind of like Abraham and Isaac and, and so on. And the woman was to follow the man. Uh, especially in those days, I say. You know, I heard uh, here a while back that they said that in the Middle East, oftentimes you'll find a woman tied up to a donkey. My wife said that wasn't too unusual in America either. So I don't, I don't know what she meant by that. I hadn't figured that one out. <laughs> but she's having to go, she's, she's going following her. What I'm saying is she lacks control in the famine. She lacks control in her following of her husband. She lacks control when the deaths begin to happen. 
She can't stop Elimelech from dying. She's not a doctor, or even if she was, she couldn't. She can't stop her sons from dying. That's beyond her control. She's in this world, and whatever this world offers is what she's going to have to live, just like everybody else has to live it. We as God's children are no better than, I mean, it rains upon the just as well as the unjust. We have to live life as it comes. It's the goings and comings of life that went and came. Kind of reminds me of the old weather vanes. You used to see them on top of the barns. And of course, that weather vane moved in the direction of which the wind was blowing. If the wind was blowing in one direction, it went in that direction. If the wind changed, it moved in that direction. It's sort of like life is. We just have to adjust to what comes our way, whether it is our health or uh, our finances. There's just so much. There's so much that is beyond our control. I remember a few years back, we were having all kinds of flats on our fifth wheel. I could have went in business changing tires. And uh, I remember one day on the side of the highway changing the tire on that fifth wheel. And I began to pray. I mean, I thought I was too spiritual to have all these flat tires. I mean, I'm serving God. Why do I have flat tires? I hadn't thought that I've seen hundreds have flat tires. And it's sort of dangerous out there. So I said, Lord, what is it you're trying to tell me about these flat? What do you want me to hear right now? He said, "Uh, get out of the road. You're going to get run over. Fix that tire as quick as you can. And that's about as deep as I got spiritually. In other words, who do you think you are? You think everybody else is going to have flat tires? You don't have any? You think others have headaches and health problems? You're not going to have any? You, you think people don't have... You're going to... You, that's, that's what this world brings in and of itself. And the wind blows. That was her world. I'm saying she lacked control. She lacked control. But understand, again, in the goings and comings in a world where you have no power, God is still doing something. He has put you there in the midst of that so others can see you live life as they live life because God wants you to live it in a way to where they, they, you can bring others out. The controls that she lacked... The second thing that I would emphasize in her went and came and goings and comings is the connections that she lost. There seemed to be a disconnect on several levels because of what she was going through. We know well she lost connection to her family. Her family, of course, as all of our families are, is, is significant. It's our identity. Whose whose husband are you? Whose wife are you? Whose uh, son are you? Whose daughter are you? Oftentimes around the country, I'll speak to people and I will be able to associate them when they can refer to someone that I know that is a part of their family. But she can't, she has lost that connection of who she was and her identity. She is a widow now. She's sort of lost it. 
on the family level. She's lost it. The connections she has lost in the midst of this, of this, this world she lives in and, and the control she's, uh, she lacks, she, she loses connections. She doesn't have any family at all. I can't think of anything any sadder than to be in this world and feel like you are all alone. All alone. She lost connection with her future. Did you notice what she said? Every woman, especially in the Old Testament, had the hope that the promise to Eve would be fulfilled in her, that she would bring forth that child that would deliver this world from sin. They wanted to have the Christ child. That's why Hannah cries and prays. That's why Sarah cries and prays. These, these women wanted a male child in hope that God would use the woman who first led us into sin, as Paul said, would be the one to lead us out of sin through having the Christ child. But here she says to her daughters-in-law, no need for you to follow me. My womb is dead. I have no more life to offer you. My future is over. I have no connections to ever having another of any as far as family is concerned. I am too old. It's, it's done with. There is no connection. I'm telling you what she's saying is in modern times, I have no way to connect you to where real life is. There's nothing left in me. It is here that she realizes that and feels as though that her future is no future at all. Because of the of the travels because of what has happened along that road because of the deaths and the famines and things like that. And, and, and she's left so uh, hopeless and helpless and all alone she is saying, there's no future for me. And in no future for me, there's no future for you. I have no connections even to the promise in my womb about as low as an individual could be. You just wouldn't think God would allow one of his children to get to that level if he wants to use them. But yet here she is in that hopeless, helpless, basically they are homeless situation. That's where they're at. But the thing that leaped out at me back in chapter number one and verse number six, the Bible said, then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Isn't it amazing that here she is, lost all connections, left in this lifeless situation in a place called Moab without hope and right in the midst of her goings and comings. Are you hearing me? Listen to what I'm fixing to say. Right in the midst, God allowing her to be, to be brought to this 
went and came situation of which she just simply says, I've lost it all. Nothing's left. But then all of a sudden, here comes a voice that she can hear. You see, God lets us live life in ways to where he can get our attention. And sometimes it'll be in situations of where you seem to have lost control and, and it seems as though that you've lost connection. It seems as though that you're all alone. And then in the stillness of being all alone, you can hear the voice that he wants you to hear. Aren't you glad God can speak in spite of the famines? God can speak in spite of the deaths. God can speak in spite of the bitterness and the heartache that's even going on in your heart because of the circumstances. Hey, that's life. Anybody ever been there? Haven't we all? But right in the midst of it, right in the midst of it, she hears. <laughs> oh, right in the midst of her world, there comes a word. God speaking into our world. He wants to speak into your world. He will allow you to walk those roads and travel those paths. Many times of ups and downs and twists and turns and hardships and heartaches, but Thank God he's getting you to the place to where you will want to listen to what he has to say and you will need to listen to what he is saying and you will agree with what he has to say. Now, I don't know how this came about. Since I'm preaching, I'm just going to imagine since I'm doing the preaching that somehow she found out that there was bread again. There'd been no bread because of the famine in Bethlehem, Judah. So, somehow she finds that out. I would imagine, as people had to do in that day, we go to the grocery store, they go to the marketplace. And bread was the biggest stable for life. Everybody had to have bread. So you could imagine one week she goes down to the marketplace and she's looking over the different types of bread. There's bread that comes from right out of Moab right there. There's bread that comes from Egypt. Bread that shipped in from Syria, much like it is in our day. Each place has its different styles, bread. And then all of a sudden she looks at him and she says, well, is that what I think it is? And she comes, she goes up, and uh, she says to the man there, is that Bethlehem bread? Yes, ma'am, it is. We just started the last two weeks ago getting Bethlehem bread back in. You're getting Bethlehem bread? I hadn't heard of Bethlehem bread for 10 years. Oh, they said that it's raining again up there. Uh, they, the way they talk, they said that their God had visited them. And, oh, what? <laughs> right in the midst of her lowest situation, here comes a life-changing word that it's not over. There's a direction you can take. And thank God she hears that word and says to her daughters-in-law, it's time to get on the move again. I'm going home. 
church had a word. Boy, how many times in the circumstances and situations of my life that the thing that saved me was not the change in the circumstances and situation. It was I got a word in the midst of it. See, that word will help you to overcome the circumstances and situations. She gets a life-changing word in her world amidst her losses and her lacking. Here comes a bold word. How powerful, and I say this to young people or to all of us, how powerful the word of God is in your minute, in your moment, in your place, right where you're at. Nothing will supersede a word from heaven, but he's got to get you at that place to where you can hear that word and you will want to hear that word. And there's nothing that she would have ever rather ever wanted to hear than, hey, lady, have you tried the Bethlehem bread? It is fresh and tastes like it always did. First load we've had. You want some? Yes! Bethlehem bread. Well, that's why we come to the house of God to get a delivering word for whatever we may face. A word for the world in which we live in. The practical world that we live, the common world that we live, the natural world that we live, the circumstances that we face that everybody else faces. But all the difference is, is when you get a word for your situation. A delivering word. So, God is, she's on this, she, she's going and coming, went and came, she's on a journey, but God's using her to lead somebody out. Now, the last thought that I have is I want you to notice with me the calculations that she learns. Obviously, she's not too good at math because she said, I went out full, but I come home empty. Now, I don't know what full is to her or was to her. I'm pretty sure that it was having a husband and having two healthy boys. But evidently, they had some wagons full of Bounty that they had saved up before the famine hit. That they're taking all this and they're moving down. But they obviously they are. They're bringing all the blessings that God has blessed them with through the years, and they're headed down toward Moab. Now, of course, you and I know that's not the best place for a child of God to go. But again, I say to you, I don't know that that is of her choosing. Here she is ending up in a place that possibly she wouldn't have wanted to be. And of course, going through the deaths that I know that she wouldn't have wanted to go through, creating such a, a horrid uh, bitterness within her that she so judges the whole of her event and said, I, I went out full, but I've come back. In my goings and comings of life, I've ended up with nothing to show for it. Think about that. Nothing. 
And while she's saying nothing, I went down there and spent 10 years and I come back with nothing. She had somebody with her. Who was it that came with her? Do we know? Somebody tell me. Ruth. So can you imagine Ruth, that Moabitess center girl standing behind her, not saying anything. She just followed her out of there. And she hears her testifying, say to them people, don't call me, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Call me Mara. Besides, I went down there full and I come back empty. I mean, the last thing that Israel needs is a Moabitess woman to have to feed. She ain't got no money herself. She basically is putting her, in her calculation, she's saying, <laughs> that's, that's zero or less right there. I brought back nothing. I brought nothing back on the materialistic level. I brought nothing back on the spiritual level. I, brought, I spent 10 years of my life and I got nothing to show for it. But I'm going to tell you, thanks to God, don't go to calculating your life before God's done with it. That's right. You may have more than what you think you got. Yeah. Huh? She may have brought out more. Hey, she's going to have to learn that her calculations are not always right. And the way you feel about what you've gone through probably ain't exactly like you feel it is. There's more to the picture than what you can imagine. She comes out. No, I'm, I'm at nothing. I, 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 everything, I've lost it all, and I got nothing to show for what I've done down there. Nothing. But you know, I thought of three things that was worth a lot in her life. Three things that's worth a lot in your life. I don't care what you've been through and the road you've had to travel. The experiences of life that you experienced there is worth something. I mean, for her to be able to tell you, I know what it's like to be in a famine. I know what it's like to lose a husband. I know what it's like to lose a child. I know what it's like to lose another child. I know what it's like to feel all alone. Now, as much as none of us want to experience that, we all have to experience that on some level. But I'm going to tell you, as we experience that, there's great worth and value that comes in, comes out of the life that you've lived. The life that you have lived. <laughs> I told my grandson one day, he was talking about what he was going to do, what he was going to do. And I said to him, and the Lord used it, I said, now, son, listen, it's not what that's out there, it's what is. What's going on in your life right now that counts? What is? And you see, though it was ups and downs and roundabouts and all that other stuff, she had lived that life and there, there is a worth and a value in the life that you've had to live as everybody else had to live. Right, yeah. And don't you want to listen to somebody talk that knows what it's like to go through something? She's brought, yes, yes, it's been, been 10 years of which she'd rather not, she tells us, live. But she brought the life that she had to live out. 
That's really what makes preaching what it is and singing what it is, is because those that know God and write songs, they write it out not only of the truth, but out of the experiences that they've lived. And the thing that makes a preacher what he is in identity is what you don't know anything about, what he's went through that day, what he's went through in his life, the events that he's had to face and he's had to deal with in his family or whatever it is. He's, he's bringing life behind that. He's bringing the word of God and life behind that pulpit. And this world, this world needs to hear the truth that comes out of you, but they need the truth to be heard out of a life that has lived. And the value of that life gives weight to that truth. And here she comes out. She said, I brought out, no, no, no. You brought out a lot, sister. You brought out a life that's been lived down there and experienced everything that can be experienced down there. And boy, you can take that in days to come and give out some good advice and help people along their journey. First thing you can say to them, <laughs> you're thinking about moving where? Sit down there, young man. I spent 10 years down there. You got no business going down there. You lost your... You lost your husband. You lost. Well, sit down there. Let me tell you about when I lost mine. You feel like you're empty inside. Can I tell you about the day when I felt like? Do you know that's what the Psalms are all about? There are songs that over half of them David wrote out of the experiences that he had experienced. And you read them. Most of the experiences were not good. When he's running from his own son, running from the king, when he's going through the heartaches and so on, and even his, his, the sin that he's committed, he's writing, and you and I have benefited for those 75 psalms or 76 that David wrote because they were written out of a life that went and came and the goings and comings and experienced so much, and you and I benefit from that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Ah, she said, I didn't bring nothing out. Oh, honey, you don't know what you brought out in your life until somebody needs to hear it. Until somebody else going through that needs somebody to help them on their road. And every one of us have experienced things of which we've had others find out we've experienced it, and they want to talk to us. I heard, I heard you, you lost, I heard you was down at, I heard you, I heard you, Yes, son, I did. I did. And let me share with you. Let me share with you. Aren't you glad you got something to say that's worth saying because you've been there and done that? And it's worth something. It's worth something. Your life is worth something to the kingdom of God. She comes out of there with something great and bold. How can you diminish life itself, honey? You brought it out with you. She brought out life. She had experienced the wind. She had experienced the word. And God used that. She didn't realize it. She didn't realize it. But God made a witness out of her in all of that. Now, how does that happen? Here we got a woman that's mad, she's angry, she's disappointed, she's lonely. 
She feels hopeless, and she don't mind sharing it. <laughs> now, we're too spiritual to do that. We wait until we get home with our wives or wherever to tell how bad we feel about some things, don't we? Huh? She said, I want to tell you something. She's talking to them girls down there, them sinner girls. She said, the hand of the Lord, Yahweh, went out against me is what happened. You wonder why I'm hard to get along with and growling all the time. Look what God's done to me. I, w- I would say, boy, uh, them girls ain't never going, you ain't never going to be able to influence them for God. Ain't nothing coming out of that. Would you ever read that story and thought anything for God is going to come out of it? Especially, I mean, and I'm not condemning her. And she just come down to that place. Haven't you ever got to where you just come to the place you just can't take it no more? Yeah. I've had it. <laughs> I'm going to punch somebody. <laughs> now, y'all look like saints. Y'all wouldn't. I don't think you've ever felt that way, have you? Oh, yes, you have. Driving your car, you've felt that way. I wish they'd get off the road. <laughs> And here she is. And then she says, uh, she says to them, don't call me pleasant. I'm not pleasant anymore. Can't you look at my face and tell? Call me Mara. I am bitter. Which is a shock that somehow God could take her in that condition and that life and you listen to Ruth testify. She said, Mama Naomi, I need to say something before you pull out. Entreat me not to leave thee. I know it's been rough. Or to follow after you. Your people's going to be my people. I actually know what kind of people they were. And your God, I want your kind of God. I want an honest God. I want a God that operates in real life. I want that kind of God. You got something I want. What? Here's the truth of the matter. If you've got something, there's no way that you can keep from other people finding out no matter what the circumstances are. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, didn't Jonah try to hide it? And they went down there and said, wake up, boy. <laughs> this, it's your God. There's something between you and your God that's, that's causing this storm. Now we need, how do they know that? He's trying to get away from God. He ain't testifying to nobody. But yet, she's able to... What about Peter? He's sitting by that fire that night. He starts cussing. And they said, you're one of them. No, I ain't blanked him. Oh, yes, you are. The words in between just didn't sound right. They sounded too Christ-like. And they said, no, just because you use a couple cuss words don't mean that your speech betrays you. He tried his best. Here's the good thing. Hey, you don't try to have to try to, you don't have to, you, you don't have to, listen, we all go through life, but if God has put something in you, somebody's going to see it in spite of what you're going through. Huh? Had a fellow tell me here a while back, he said, God was dealing with me about preaching and said, I've run from the church, I run from everything else, and said, I started driving truck. 
Nothing wrong if that's what God wants you to do. But he knew that wasn't what he was supposed to be doing. And he said, I started driving a truck across the country and said, never a more miserable man than what I was. And he said, one night in a truck stop. And there were all the truckers to stop and eat and whatever. He said, I was sitting there so lonely and all by myself. And he said, there was a Spanish, a Mexican that sitting across the table amongst all the men was there. And said he raised up his head and he looked at me right in the eyes. He said, Senor, I don't know who you are, but you are not a truck driver. <laughs> I said, what did you do? He said, I got up and got out of there. I knew what he was trying to say is what God had showed him. I heard another preacher preach back in the, in the 30s where they used to hobo and everything. He was running from preaching for seven years and said he stayed in a hotel there and had a bunch of them uh, drunkards and everything else that would hobo in there and said the woman walked up and put her hand on there and said, this is a man here that's got something big in his heart. And he said, I was as shocked, she said it, as everybody else. And said some of the men started cursing and said, you, he, you don't know this man. That's the meanest man around here. But he said, she said, no, but you don't know what's working in that heart. He said, I sit there and said, oh, what a prophecy. God could show her what was going on in the inside. I went in the store the other day. I was working around the house with my work clothes on. Yes, I do work some. <laughs> and uh, I was doing all the routine and all that, and I had to go down to the... Uh, We've got, you know, in, in, I'm, I'm derailing here. I'm going to get back on fixing it close. But we've got in, in a little old town, we dowie, we dowie. Not we do we, we dowie. And we've got 700 people in the town. I don't live, I live on the outskirts of it, outside of town. And would you believe a town with 700 people, they built a mall within walking distance of my house? They call it Dollar General. <laughs> That's what we call the mall uh, in, in, in Wedowie. But I went into the mall, and I mean, I just messed up grease and everything, tried to wash my hands and get in it. And I, I went up to pay for something, and there was a lady, a, a black lady down there. Uh, she's getting some stuff. She just glanced up at me, and she said, you preacher, ain't you? I said, yes, ma'am, I had never seen her before in my life. She'd never seen me. Uh, she said, oh, there's just something about you I thought you was. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how God, he puts it in you. And he ain't going to let the circumstances of life keep it in there. If you don't want it to be known, it's going to slip out on you. Because <laughs> you can't hold it in. You can't hold it in. And here, however and whatever she's going through, I'm going to tell you, Ruth was able to look at her along the everyday journey of life that everybody goes through, and it's bad, and it's harsh, and it's affected her. And she said, I see God. I see God. Naomi said, I went out full. I come home empty. No, you didn't. Boy, you brought a life out that had an impact. Huh? She went, she said, out full and come home empty. No, you didn't. 
you brought Ruth out with you. Ruth. You say, well, what is she worth? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look over in chapter number four. I'm telling you, she had to learn to reevaluate, recalculate some things according to how she felt about her life. Notice what the, what the scripture says in verse 15. Verse 14, and the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel, and he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, a nourisher of thine old age, and for, for thy daughter-in-law which loveth thee, which is better to thee than what? <laughs> I do the math there. They said, that girl you brought out, you thought she's just a Moabite center girl and you'd rather she wouldn't have come. She's worth more than seven sons. Because the life that she thought had ended was being brought forth through Ruth as she brought her out of that place. Oh, she brought out for I don't know what she took in, but I'm going to tell you flat-footed, she brought out an immeasurable amount, more than what she ever took in. And I'll tell you something. She didn't realize it, but she was bringing out whatever woman had hoped that they could have in them. And that is a connection to the Messiah. And truth of the matter is, in an indirect way, she brought the Lord out with her. Because in that womb of that little girl she brought out, it was going to be the great birth of that reborn connection to Christ. What she didn't realize was, is no matter what all that was about, the Lord had been in the midst of it all. Good for us to realize when it's raining, the Lord is in the midst of it all. When it's sun shining, the Lord is in the midst of it all. When we feel well, the Lord is in the midst of it all. When we don't feel so good, the Lord is in the midst of it all. Whatever we're having to go through and whatever road we're having to travel, Thank God he's in the midst of it all. So don't ever underestimate the importance of the journey that God has allowed you to live. Because inevitably, the Lord will be working in that to reach back and get somebody else and bring them out with you and take them to the place of redemption. So, I would close it by saying when it comes to your life and the journeys of it give it all to Jesus and let him figure it out. Amen. Don't go calculating and say well I don't tell you what I no you, you, you're not qualified to calculate all that. <coughs> give life as it's lived to him every day and watch him bring the Lord out of it.